0: Welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Glenn Stanton. He's Director of Family Formation Studies at Focus on the Family. Glenn, it's an honor to have you on with us today.
1: Hey,
2: Dan. Thank you. It's good to be with you.
0: I came across an article of yours, a couple of articles with similar themes. Uh, One was, Why Manhood Doesn't Happen Naturally. Uh, in focus, and another one: manhood is not natural in the public discourse. And the second article is just a further working out uh, of the first, I think. But um, maybe you can describe for us uh, today, Glenn. Um, first of all, maybe what your interest is, uh, what led you to this line of work, maybe quickly uh, for our listeners, and you know what what kind of uh, background do you have in all of this.
2: Yeah, no, that's a good question, Dan. I've been doing this work for quite some while, a number of decades. Um, I got hired right out of high school to come do research for Dr. Dobson at Focus on the Family and moved um, my wife and I from Florida to Colorado Springs. And basically what I was was working with a, a small group of researchers just kind of doing what we call short-order research. Dr. Dobson would need some question answered about something, and we would go do the research. What's funny is I don't think myself that old, but this was before the internet, even before email. I mean, we had to go to the library and look this kind of stuff up. Oh yeah. Um, and basically what I turned into was looking specifically at the family. Um, what is it that marriage does? Um, what does its counterfeits do? And looking at the secular research, the best mainstream secular research, and finding out what its findings are in terms of Why Does Marriage Matter? That was the title of my first book that I wrote in 97. And then looking at the downsides of cohabitation and divorce, things like that. And then in the early 2000s, started looking at the issue of same-sex marriage. And on that question, looking, and this has to do with our topic today, looking at why uh, gender difference matters. What is the nature and essence of male and female And are we all just people who just seem to be either male or female? Or does male and female really mean something? And so theologically, clearly it does. God says, let us create man in our image according to our likeness. In the image of God, he created the male and female. Our maleness and femaleness image God in a unique way. It's the only part of creation that does. And it's not just our humanity generically but our humanity in either male or female. And this is being attacked today tremendously, as your listeners know, that, well, male and female, you know, we only appear to be male or female. And, you know, what really matters is who we are inside, what we understand ourselves to be. And this understanding that um, Satan is attacking the divine image of male and female by getting us to think today that it really doesn't matter and so this article is a part of that long ongoing research to really look at the deep substance of maleness and manhood in society and to see what it is what its nature is how it's different than than the female the human female nature and so that's the work that I do, um, and I love it, and um, have been at Focus since 1993. And so, do a lot of reading and a lot of reading in, in the secular literature, anthropologically on, you know, gender difference and um, what maleness and femaleness are, not just in our culture or the Western world, but across the world and across human experiences, and to see that there is a constancy, if you will, um, in the male nature and in the female nature, and that shouldn't be surprising to us because God put it within
0: us. Yeah. Well, that's very helpful, and and your background is certainly valuable for what we want to probe a little bit on today. Um, We live near uh, a city, actually, here in the Hudson Valley of New York State, where the crime rate is very high it's one of the highest crime rate ridden cities in New York state in fact that's Newburgh New York and mm-hmm. uh, when you probe a little bit at that um one one message constantly comes forward and that is there's a lot of broken homes there's there's homes where the uh, the father is not there and uh, uh maybe we can talk today a little bit about manhood as a behavior that is taught. Yeah. You've covered certainly we're born a certain way, no question about it. But um, we have certain impulses, desires, uh, aggressiveness perhaps. How is that formed into a man of God?
2: You know, first of all, your observation about um, just crime rate and, and broken families. I always like to say, um, I'll talk about three P's in, in you know, the, the part of manhood, but three P's in the broken families. All you have to do is ask three different people within a community, the policemen, the principals of schools, and the pediatricians, whether family coherence makes a difference. And what they'll tell you is, you know what, I seldom have to go out and arrest Or, you know, have a kid into my office, or the pediatrician says, a kid who is unhealthy or mistreated that comes from a married two parent home. That doesn't mean that married adults and married parents are better people, but it means that the form of the family produces better things. And the other thing is talking about crime crime is largely a male problem. You know, you don't have any city in the world where you've got a crime problem, and they say, you know what? It's interesting. The overwhelming majority of crime is committed by women. We just know intuitively that it is created by men. And that is one of the points that I make in the piece is that men live more at the extremes. They will either be very reticent and, you know, not involved in life, Like the guy who lives in his basement, in his parents' basement, and plays video games all all day. Okay. That is one extreme. And the video guy in the parents' basement is a male problem. We never, when we talk about that person, we never think it's a woman. Yeah. You know, the other is you, at the other extreme, you have a man who's, um, can tend to be more violent, can tend to be more arrogant. Tend to be um sexually dominant if you will um he lives at that extreme he is you know the gang member i mean back in the old days it was the guy who rode a loud motorcycle or a loud sports car you know and he was driving up and down the street now it's you know what he deals drugs he's violent um he you know has um babies with lots of different women And so maleness tends to be at either one of those extremes. Um, Camille Paglia, she made a very interesting comment. She said, um, there are not many women Beethovens because there are not many women Bundys Mm -hmm. um, or serial killers. You know, women do not tend to live at the extremes. They tend to live in that kind of middle of the bell curve. And that's better you know you need that kind of constancy and regularity and and sort of socialization to live in the middle of that and in the middle of life now with the extremes with men you you can take those extremes those desires for extremes and turn them into beneficial things you think about what happened at 911 you think about what happened in Houston Um, This summer with the floodings, it was the men who stood up and went to the extremes Mm -hmm. to go uh, put their life on the line and rescue people. You know, that's a social positive. And that what I find out in the anthropological research and what these articles are about, the article that I have at Public Discourse, which folks can find online, we we have to teach manhood. And this is true. Uh, Margaret Mead finds this. All the other anthropologists who look at this find this across the world. If you do not teach healthy manhood, responsible manhood, it does not happen. Womanhood, on the other hand, if you just let young women go, they are more likely going to turn into good, healthy, safe, productive women. This is not the case with men, and it has to do with the nature of maleness, if you will.
0: Oh that's fascinating yeah there there is a obvious obviously there's a fundamental difference, but uh, th- the idea of forming this boy from a young age to become a responsible man um, and and having him interact with other um, like a band of brothers, if you will, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think exactly. that it's so important.
2: Yeah, and it's essential. It's necessary, and it's interesting. Margaret Mead has this wonderful quote. She says, yes, it's true that women create humanity, which is a big, wonderful statement about the power of the woman. <laughs> she says, yes, it's true that women create humanity, but only men can create manhood. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's interesting that mothers can only... Sort of push their sons in the direction of manhood. It's what we call um, cutting the apron strings. You know, you need to go, young man, and and start identifying with other men. And then men need to take that boy and welcome them into what I call the fraternity of men, and say, you know, you know what, son, you've you've got what it takes. Um, You can do it, and. There is hardly any boy that will not desire to please the other men around him and to show himself um, capable and adequate to be a part of those men. This is what happens in primitive cultures and and even not so primitive cultures. And I I referred to the three P's of, of, you know, the community pediatricians, principals, and policemen who will tell you why the family matters. There are three Ps that every young man needs to learn how to do. And this is true more just generally anthropologically, but the young man must go out and find a woman that he can procreate with. Um, and we think about that today of like, Oh my goodness, you know really is 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 that really that important? Well, you think about cultures across the world and and especially more primitive cultures that if you have a man growing up into his thirties and he hasn 't found a woman to start a home with, to start having children with he 's kind of an oddity now in our culture today, in the modern age that 's not so odd, but it could be, you know, we, we see it kind of odd as a man who says, you know what, I have no interest in marrying. Um, I'm just gonna sleep with women that come into my life and I'm not really interested in kids. Um, we tend to have certain judgments about such a man. He could be a good man. He could be a great man, but we think, you know what, dude, you're, you're kind of missing out on the purpose of life. (laughs) Now, religious, uh, commitment, you know, priests and things like that, they really are committing themselves to other people. They are not living just for themselves. Um, They are being procreative, if you will, in that um, they're seeking to commit themselves spiritually to others and bring up spiritual children. Um, But other than that, um, we sort of expect Young boys to grow up, to commit themselves to a woman, and to settle down with her, found a home. And so, the first is procreation. The other is provision to provide for that woman. You think about, okay, I've got a woman in my life. I've got children that I'm that I'm you know are mine, but I don't really feel like I need to provide for them. There's no society in the world that praises that. The next thing is protection to protect these women and to protect the children um, that are a part of us. That's what a man does. So a man, a boy who grows into healthy manhood grows up and says, I am going to find a woman. I'm going to procreate with her. We're going to have children. I'm going to provide for her and our children and I'm going to protect them from the outside world, emotionally, physically, um, psychologically, things like that. And so those are the three Ps that if if a young boy doesn't learn how to do those things, he is not as inclined to, you know, gain the respect of those in the community, Um and that's very, very important. And again, Margaret Mead and other anthropologists, David Gilmore—a um, a book, you know, for your listeners who are good readers, um, David Gilmore—and I referenced him in my article. Um, he, his main book on this title, an anthropologist, is um, on the making of men or the making of manhood, and he looks at the necessity of being intentional about creating men. Well, let me, let me mention first um, what more primitive cultures will do. They will take a young man or a young boy at a certain age, you know, when he's entering, you know, like 10 years old, 11, 13, perhaps, and they will take him out on a hunt. And it's interesting that we tend to think of, well, the hunt is the you know, sort of tribal, um, native sort of thing to go out and kill something. But that's not really it. It's to go out and to get food and sustenance and provision for the community. And when he brings that animal back into the village, and it's not just for his family, but he feeds the village. Everybody around that village is praising him for the goodness of his catch for the goodness of the meat that it gives, the goodness of the skins that it gives. And that little boy is a different kind of guy after that. I mean, any, any guy can relate to that, that, okay, before I went out, I was a consumer. I took from the community. Now I went out and I got something for the community and now I'm a provider I bring good things into the community and that's interesting. That's one of the things that David Gilmore says is that a man uh provides more than he consumes. A male adult male who is not a man consumes more than he
0: provides. Oh, that's and I an think that's excellent a very point.
2: Very interesting. Yeah, a very interesting observation there.
0: In your article and you've already covered this, uh, you make the statement that maleness just happens, but Manhood does not. And that's what you're talking about here. How it it's got to be learned and proven and earned. And I love this idea of um the three P's that the man goes out and finds his wife to procreate with. Uh, it reminds us of the original uh command of God back um in yeah. Genesis, be fruitful and multiply. And I can imagine, but I I don't know about you, but I I know in my own life the fact that my wife uh, is able to provide balance and check, um, you know, and accountability, and say, "No, nah, you're just being stupid," you know, kind of hold me to <laughs> to task, and then and then no, exactly. you know, and beyond that, the as I mentioned before, the band of brothers, my close brothers at church, uh, the same thing um, that is extremely healthy. For a male, it's not enough just being a male. But your point is, uh, you must grow into this manhood.
2: Yeah, and that's right. I mean, maleness happens. It's it's a it's a biological development, and it's super easy to do. You know, we come out of the womb either a woman or a man. Um, It doesn't take anything to be a male. Um, but it takes everything for the young man to learn to become a man, a man in terms of being a good man in the community. There's a difference between maleness and manhood. Manhood is a quality. And manhood, different than womanhood, has to prove itself in action. A woman can walk into a room and she is a woman just simply because of her essence, because of the way she carries herself she doesn't even have to speak a word a man comes into a room and we size him up and we wonder what his deal is but he has to demonstrate that to us by his actions what he does what he doesn't do you know starting with the way he shakes your hand um does he grab your hand look you in the eye um you know we think okay this this is somebody Um, is he always talking about himself? Um, you know, we tend to think that is negative. You know, does he talk about all the women that he's involved in? We think, you know, some guys will say, oh, that's pretty cool. But most of us think, you know what, dude, you're so shallow. If he talks about the work that he does, um, but not in a self-centered way, um, if he's contributing, If he's making his community a better place, we think, you know what? Good for you. If he started a business and maintaining a business, and we think the same thing about women, you know what? Good for you for starting that business. But manhood only exists in demonstration. Now, it's interesting that women can lose their womanhood and only lose their womanhood in their actions. You know what? They behave a certain way sexually. They are not faithful they're you know just not good people the woman can only lose her womanhood in what she does or what she fails to do but a man must prove himself he comes into the room having to prove his manhood and demonstrate his manhood manhood is only shown and revealed in action and that's a very important part of understanding the difference between the two.
0: Yes, uh, that, that's a wonderful point. Um, it, it's got to be crafted and refined. Um, do you find some men just don't have the training? They they grew up in a family and and um, they grew up to be self centered. Uh, they don't understand yeah. that they must uh, stop. They must stop playing constantly video games. Go out, get a job provide, and then the money that they earn, spend it on their family and not more toys.
2: Well, exactly. And and very seldom do we see a man who, you know what, he works in a factory. He comes home. He brings his check home. He takes his lunch to work with him every day. He plays ball with his kids out in the yard. There's very few of us in any culture who think, what a sucker, he should go out and start living for himself. First of all, anybody who thinks that, we judge that person as like, okay, you're talking to a guy like that at a party, and you're like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to go talk to somebody more interesting. But we value that. We see that. He's not a great man in that he's accomplishing anything great and big, but you know what? He's doing the three Ps, and he's like, Wow. You know, that he's a good man. He's a good guy. Yes. And I wish that I could have that kind of commitment. And that's very important for us to understand that in many ways, manhood is not really demonstrated in the big heroic things, but it's demonstrated in the day-to-day, every, everyday kinds of things. And he used an interesting phrase. He has to go out and get a job. You know, we think about the male physicality you know, without to put too vivid a picture on it. His, his physicality is outward. Um, His sexuality is outward. He has to go out and find his future. The woman can just, you know, she sits at a table, she sits at home and she expects the good man to come to her. There's no guy who is going to make his future happen Pro procreatively in relation to any woman by just hanging out and expecting the woman to come to him. Oh, yeah. He needs to go out and take the chance. He needs to, you know, he needs to go out and ask the girl to prom. He could get shot down, but he needs to make that chance. He needs to likewise go out and get the job he could be refused the job, he could be rejected, but he's not going to find success if he doesn't take the chance. That's not so much required of women. So men need to have that confidence within them for other men and for their fathers specifically, or grandfathers or uncles, come along and say, son, you know, go, go interview for that job. And here's what you do. And You may not get it, but you know what? You'll feel a whole lot better for having tried. Mm. And young men need that. And young men in every culture in the history of the world have needed to do that.
0: Well, this has been uh, very helpful. Uh, Today we've been talking with Glenn Stanton, uh, Director of Family Formation Studies at Focus on the Family. Glenn, if someone would like to read more, maybe your article. Uh, Also, you've written some books. Uh, How about a recommendation?
2: Yeah. One book that, that deals with this topic, and it, it goes by a different sort of title, but it's it's what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? And then how do mothers and fathers raise good boys and girls into womanhood and manhood? And that book is called Secure Daughters, Confident Sons, and people can find it online. Um, you can get it through Focus on the Family, but that is a very careful research-based book that explores this question. But another is um, simply go to the website Public Discourse. Um, It's something that's published through the Witherspoon Institute at at, uh, Princeton. And the article, Manhood is Not Natural, you could just Google Public Discourse and my name, Glenn uh, Stanton, and look for the Manhood is Not Natural article. And like you said, that's kind of a full treatment of this topic, and there's so much more um, to share that – I share in the article and I think those two resources, Secure Daughter's Confident Sons and At Public Discourse Manhood is Not Natural, um, your listeners will uh, find what they what they
0: need there. Well, thank you very much. Uh, that's perfect. Uh, Glenn Stanton has been our guest today. And dear listener, if you'd like to listen to this episode again, it's up on our website, we're found at redeemerbroadcasting.org. Glenn, thanks for joining us.
2: Hey, thank you, Dan, and I appreciate you having
0: me. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.
1: Maybe you and I were never meant to be complete. Could we just be broken together? If you can bring your shattered dreams, and I'll bring. And be complete could we just be broken together if you can bring your shattered dreams and I'll bring mine can healing still be spoken and save us the only way will last forever is broken